This is really interesting. You, you've probably heard of the Stanford prison experiment that showed how we're all naturally inclined to abuse power. Well, uh, Dr. Ben Blum, who is author and scientist, his PhD in computer science, he uh, is claiming now that that study was faked, not real at all. He's our guest on the show. Thank you so much for being here. I couldn't be more excited to talk to you. Thanks very much for having me. Okay, so refresh the listeners on this Stanford prison experiment. If you could take us back and just, you know, tell us a little bit about it. Sure. Um, so the experiment took place in August of 1971. Uh, Dr. Philip Zimbardo, a psychology professor at Stanford University, built a mock prison in the basement of the Stanford Psychology Department and stocked it with uh, respondents to a newspaper ad. Half of them were assigned randomly to be guards, half randomly assigned to be prisoners. And over the course of the next six days, uh, conditions in the, the prison deteriorated to the point where um, the experiment had to be shut down. There was um, Guards were abusing the prisoners. Some of the prisoners were freaking out and, and begging to be released. Um, and, uh, and it ended in, in infamy. You earned your Ph.D. in computer science. What motivated you to look into this study? So I have a personal connection to the study, actually. I um, have a, a younger cousin named Alex Blum, who served as the driver in an armed bank robbery um, conducted by a team of Army Rangers, U.S. Army Rangers, Special Ops Commandos. Um, and uh, Dr. Zimbardo participated in Alex's legal defense, arguing that his participation in the robbery was the result not of any kind of free will or, or choice or uh, character defect in him, but of the uh, environmental forces at work in in the range of battalion. Hmm. So you were always so, interested in this doctor. Yeah, I, I became familiar with his research through uh, his involvement in Alex's case. Um, essentially, the research was being offered as an excuse for Alex, um, much like the guards in Zimbardo's study. Um, you know, we were told, well, Alex was kind of a product of his environment. Um, he kind of inevitably turned into this this uh, monstrous figure temporarily, though that wasn't really him. And then over time, as I began to um, seek out former participants in Zimbardo's study and, and interview them, I was shocked to find that their own stories of, of what they'd undergone as part of this experiment deviated uh, dramatically from Zimbardo's own account. Um, and that's how this whole thing started to unravel. So what exactly did you learn, and how did you determine this was fake? So um, the story that Zimbardo has always told from the start is that um, the guards were not given any specific instructions. They came up with the rules uh, that the prisoners would have to follow themselves. Um, and the abuse escalated so rapidly that the prisoners started actually succumbing to this delusion that they were not in an experiment at all, but trapped in a real prison that they couldn't get out of. Um, and it turns out, and, and um, a lot of this is based on archival material, original archival material that has now been made available um, in the Stanford University Library, um, it turns out the guards were explicitly instructed to be tough. There's a um, really shocking uh, recording of one of Zimbardo's um, students on the prison staff, the, the guy uh, assigned as warden in the experiment, telling one of the, the guards, listen, um, we're hoping to get on the media with, this, um, with these results to make a case for prison reform. We need you to play the role of a tough guard. Try to react the way you picture pigs reacting, um, because that's what we need in order to make the political point that, that prisons are really abusive. So he's actually appealing to the guard's desire to be lenient, to his belief that 
um, guards shouldn't be abusive and that prisons should be better environments for prisons in order to argue that, well, if you want to achieve that end in the real world, you need to be really abusive for now. So Zimbardo, he had an agenda. That's why he faked the prison experiment. Yeah, he, I would say um, he and some of the people around him um, clearly from the start were looking to create as abusive an environment as possible. Um, and, and what was really problematic is, is that um, shortly after the experiment concluded, um, in fact, the day after it was shut down, um, there was a, a prison escape attempt at San Quentin, just about 50 miles north of Stanford, um, that led to the deaths of um, some guards and inmates. And then um, a few weeks after that, the enormous um, prison uprising at Attica in New York, which was just a gigantic news event. Um, the, there were, the prisoners were slaughtered uh, along mm-hmm. with their hostages after the, the prison was retaken by guards and police officers. And so uh, Zimbardo was rocketed into the spotlight very quickly and was actually asked to give congressional testimony at a, at a hearing of the House Committee on the Judiciary about um, the prison environments in, in the U.S. And that was where he told the story of, of the prison environment as a place that just devolved naturally of its own accord into abuse. The guards, he said, had been given no specific instructions. They just became kind of victims of this oppressive environment. It was a way of kind of letting guards off the hook at a time when America was looking at um, some pretty egregious um, killings by, by guards and police officers. Did no one think to, to interview the study participants as uh, in-depth as, as you did uh, just recently? Because, you know, you apparently heard from somebody that who was uh, one of the inmates that he didn't feel that he was a very good actor. He, he um, faked an emotional, emotional distress, but thought, oh, I can't believe anybody bought that. Yeah, um, that's one of the most interesting figures, Douglas Corpy. Um, he was the first prisoner to, quote-unquote, break down. Um, and he's often offered by Zimbardo in, in his narrative of the experiment as, a, as proof of what, um, how powerful this environment really was to transform the psychology of those involved. Um, I talked to Doug, and it turns out he, he signed up for the experiment thinking he'd be able to study for his graduate school entrance exams um, while he's sitting around in the prison every day. They were being paid a pretty generous wage, uh, about $100 a day in today's dollars, $15 a day at the time. Um, so we just thought it was going to be a, a cakewalk of a job for two weeks. And then um, on the first day, he asked for his study books, and they wouldn't let him have them. And he asked again the second day, still no. And that was, at that point, he just decided, you know what, I need to get into grad school. I, I need to get out of this place. And he asked to get out. He was told that he could not get out. And that's the real turning point. Um, at the point where the prisoners realized that these experiments, experimenters were actually going to keep them in this place regardless of whether they wanted out of the experiment, it suddenly got very real for everyone. Hmm. Uh, Corpy decided to fake a breakdown. And yes, he did tell me, I really was not a very good actor. I did the best I could. But, uh, you know, it, if you listen to the tape, it's pretty obvious that I was hamming it up. Um, and in fact, Zimbardo's students did suspect that he was hamming it up. But Eventually, they decided that they had to release him, even if he was hamming it up just to be on the safe side. We're talking with Dr. Ben Blum, who's an author and scientist, and basically uh, thinks that he can prove that the most one of the most influential psychology studies ever published, the Stanford Prison Experiment, was faked. I know several attempts to replicate that study over the years basically raised a lot of questions because they didn't get a similar outcome. Is Professor Zimbardo still alive? 
Zimbardo is still alive. And have you reached um, out to him to talk to him? Yes, I, I interviewed him for this expose, and um, he at first uh, denied some of um, the the claims that Corpy and that Douglas Corpy and another prisoner made that they were told they couldn't get out by the experimenters, but um, after I, I read him some of the documentary evidence that's come to light in the archives, um, he he changed his tune. He, um, he admitted, yes, okay, you know, staff actually was told to tell them they couldn't get out. Um, and, uh, and at the end of the, the interview, he, um, he seemed to sort of throw his hands up in the air. He said, I, I'm not going to do any more interviews about this. I'm not going to send any more. The defense is it's, it's longevity. You know, wow. the experiment's been around for a long time. That, that, that's a quote from the final statement that he made to me. Well, um, people want it out of the, uh, they want it expunged from textbooks. They do, yeah. There's been a strong response on Twitter of um, psychology professors around the country expressing their, their shock and disappointment and, um, and desire to, uh, to get the field over this hump. You know, I think um, we've been up on the Stanford Prison Experiment for so long, and the lessons it teaches are so problematic. I'm by no means the first one to criticize it over the years. And I should also give credit to a uh, French academic, Thibault Latexe, who um, originally uncovered uh, some of this new archival material available on the experiment. Um, there, so there have been so many critics, and I've spoken myself to so many textbook authors who have deep reservations themselves about the experiment, but it's so canonical, it's so beloved, it's been taught for so long, and Zimbardo himself is such a powerfully influential figure within American psychology that um, it's been quite hard for textbook authors to, to take a stand on it. And well, it's if it's looking, bogus, I mean, you got to do something. I, I only have 30 more seconds. I could talk to you at length on this because I find it fascinating. But, you know, with the growing anti-science, anti-intellectual movement happening in your country in the States right now, is there a concern that you debunking this study would fuel that? Uh, there is a bit of a concern, especially psychology is coming from beating um, this past couple of years of replication crisis. A lot of the old studies aren't holding up. Um, but ultimately, I think um, truth wins out, and, and I actually think that debunking the study will be a boon for science because it's going to open up Zimbardo's data to deeper uh, and more correct analysis that might um, inform better criminal justice policy in the U.S. Dr. Blum, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a, a pleasure, and it's just fascinating work you're doing. Thank you so much.